that this happens nowhere else other than the United States of America. Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI and Maui, Hawaii on KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. Palinville, New York's WLPP. Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR in New Orleans on WHIV in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, amongst other fine affiliates. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us yet again today, as here we go yet again. A school official, official says there are, quote, numerous fatalities from a shooting, not long before airtime today at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in South Florida, which is sort of mid-distance between Boca Raton and Fort Lauderdale. Broward County Superintendent Robert Runsey says there are numerous fatalities, calls it a horrific situation. As we go to air uh, this afternoon, officials say at least two have been killed that number is likely to go uh, a fair bit higher, uh, I suspect, as the Broward County Sheriff's Office tweeted on Wednesday afternoon that so far we have at least 14 victims. The White House canceled its daily press briefing yet uh, after yet another high school shooting sent students rushing into the streets. I believe this is the 19th such shooting, and... Um, we're not even halfway through February yet. Nope. 19th school shooting. That doesn't count all of the other shootings going on every day in this country. Donald Trump has said he has uh, spoken with Florida Governor Rick Scott about the shooting. He said in a tweet that the White House is, quote, working closely with law enforcement on the terrible Florida school shooting, unquote. Earlier, he had tweeted his condolences to the family uh, families of the victims there. Authorities say the shooter at the South Florida High School is now in custody. The Broward County Sheriff's Office now identifies um, the suspected shooter as an 18-year-old former student. Uh, very uh, few other details are available at this time. 
Uh, one of the parents, uh, John Oben, said his son, a freshman at the South Florida High School where the shooting erupted, said his child was in class when he heard several shots. Oben told uh, AP, this is a really good school and now it's like a war zone. Feels like much of our nation is turning into a war zone of late. Here was uh, Senator Chris Murphy, Democrat from Connecticut, who had represented represented Newtown, Connecticut, uh, as a Congress member during the Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre in 2012, after which we have done absolutely nothing to change our laws as a nation. You'll remember the uh, Sandy Hook massacre uh, was a 20-year-old who fatally shot 20 children between 6 and 7 years old, as well as six adult staff members. Here was Senator uh, Chris Murphy on the floor of the Senate just moments ago. I'm coming to the floor to talk about something else, but let me just note once again for my colleagues that this happens nowhere else other than the United States of America. This epidemic of mass slaughter, this scourge of school shooting after school shooting. It only happens here not because of coincidence, not because of bad luck, but as a consequence of our inaction. We are responsible for a level of mass atrocity that happens in this country with zero parallel anywhere else. As a parent, it scares me to death that this body doesn't take seriously the safety of my children. And it seems like a lot of parents in South Florida are going to be asking that same question later today. We pray for the families, for the victims. We hope for the best. And uh, praying is about, uh, apparently about all uh, Congress is able to do. That was Senator Chris Murphy. Uh, while he was speaking there, this breaking news from CNN, at least 16 people have been killed in the uh, Florida high school shooting. Uh, police have named the suspect as Nicholas Cruz, uh, 18 years old, former student. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, that it it feels like uh, much of our nation is turning into a war zone of late. It, uh, with a body politic that is unable to do anything about these sorts of mass shootings, to even uh, unable to even take action to try to stop them, and specifically a Republican party that flat out refuses to do anything for fear of losing one of their top donors, the terrorist-enabling National Rifle Association. I, I you know, I, I don't like to, to, to make these sort of matters uh, partisan matters, but I do like to call out those people who need to be called out, who need to be held accountable. And the Republican Party needs to be held accountable for their refusal to take action after massacre, after massacre, after massacre. So 
we are going to need a hell of a lot more than simply thoughts and prayers, which is what the Republican Party, members of the Republican Party, tend to offer after these shootings, and then they lay low and hope that they go away and hope that people forget and hope that people forget the the mass slaughter that takes place in our schools, on our streets. Just months ago, 500 concert goers were gunned down, more than 50 of them killed in Las Vegas. Country music fans, and even that was not enough for Congress to take action, for Republicans to take action. I'm sorry. Democrats would like to take action. They've called for some of the, frankly, the lowest hanging fruit when it comes to new gun safety uh, uh, laws in this country. But they have been blocked every single time at every single turn. As a matter of fact, I need to remind you that the only action taken uh, on guns over the past year was the Republican bill that made it easier for people with mental illness to get guns, to buy, to buy, uh, to purchase guns. And Donald Trump signed that bill. So, no, these uh, these killings in and of themselves aren't partisan matters. But the uh, lack of action that is taken by this Congress is absolutely a partisan matter. The Republicans do not wish to do anything about this. They hope you will not notice. They do not wish to upset their uh, their donors. And it is one of their top donors, the NRA. But we're going to need a hell of a lot more than than just prayers, thoughts and prayers. If we're ever going to put a dent, even a dent, even a, a try to put a dent in our nation's shameful epidemic of gun violence that you heard Chris Murphy say there does not happen anywhere else, nowhere else. Nonetheless, since that's all we seem to be able to offer as a nation, well, our thoughts and prayers are certainly with the families and the victims in uh, in South Florida today and wherever they may be tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and the day after and the day after. As the American carnage continues. So I suspect we'll have more on this on uh, on tomorrow's broadcast. Uh, but I mentioned, you know, the, the GOP's uh, kowtowing to the NRA because that's always the reason we are not allowed to do anything about gun violence in this country. Even the lowest hanging fruit, like universal background checks for all gun purchases, limits on the size of of magazines to keep one person from being able to shoot dozens of others in seconds. Not to mention banning the type of devices that, uh, that, that turn semi-automatic weapons into fully automatic weapons, as we saw in, in Las Vegas. That seemed to be a no-brainer. No, we couldn't even do that. Much less banning the sale of these military assault-style weapons in the first place. We can't even debate that much less ban it. We can't even debate it and vote it down. We're not allowed to bring that up on the floor of the Senate, on the floor of the House for discussion so that the American people can be heard. Because these measures are wildly popular. They're wildly popular with uh, the American people of all political parties. 
Not just Democrats, Democrats, Republicans, even some 80% of NRA members support most of those proposals that I just mentioned to you. And why can't we do anything about it? Because of corporate money in our elections. Because of the amount of money that the uh, Republican Party gets from the NRA every day, every election cycle. Get corporate money out of our elections, and I would argue that 80% of the problems that we face in this country would go away damn near overnight. And that's a problem, by the way, for both Republicans and Democrats, but at least you've, you've got a base of progressive voters who are working on it, who are trying to say no to this dark money. And now we have new commitments today from a number of the 2020 presidential hopefuls, on the Democratic side at least, Folks like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and as of today, Kirsten Gillibrand and Cory Booker, who have all said they will stop taking cash and dark money from corporate PACs. Get corporate money out of politics, and we can solve 80% of the goddamn problems that we uh, just continue to have, the solvable problems that we continue to have year after year after year in this country without end and with, uh, frankly, only increasing American carnage day after day. And I use that phrase because that's the one, that's what Donald Trump promised to end during his uh, inaugural address, to end the American carnage. He said it stops here, it stops now. Well, apparently it hasn't stopped. Apparently it continues. And it continues today down in Florida. So... More on future uh, on future shows uh, about all of this. Uh, unless you have any thoughts, Desi Doyen, I've got some uh, much more encouraging news, actually, in the state of Florida along these lines that I had been hoping to get to at the top of today's show. Well, um, no, I don't trust my voice. Fair enough. Let's get to the uh, to the encouraging news today in Florida. And uh, maybe that'll uh, maybe that'll make things a little bit easier. Let me start with uh, where we had started. Uh, hope to start uh, in Florida. Some good news, at least uh, for Democrats who do want to do something about this gun epidemic. Margaret Good won a special election for state representative in Florida's 72nd district on Tuesday night. This is the Democratic Party's 36th legislative flip since President Donald Trump's inauguration last year. Uh, the 72nd uh, House District is, in Florida is uh, sort of uh, on the other coast, uh, on the on the west side of, uh, of, of the Florida panhandle. The closely watched race pitted good against libertarian Allison Foxel and Republican James Buchanan, whose father uh, Vern Buchanan represents the area in Congress, but that name recognition, however, uh, apparently uh, did Buchanan little good. See what I did there, Des? <laughs> uh, the, uh, the seat in the state assembly opened up after Republican Alex Miller resigned last year, citing her family and, and business as reasons. Trump won the district by just five points, where Republicans outnumber Democrats by some 13,000 voters, and yet... The Democrat on Tuesday night in the special election won by nearly eight points and by more than 3,000 votes. 
The Democratic Party has been bullish on gaining momentum before the 2018 midterm elections, says the Daily Beast, and uh, they set their sights on the uh, Sarasota district as another opportunity to flip a legislative seat nationwide. Just last week, a Democrat won a special election in Missouri in a district that Trump won by 61 to 33 margin. Uh, that was the party's second flip this year, following a surprise a surprise win by a Democrat in Wisconsin State Senate in January in a deeply red district. So the Democrats continue to win. The voice of the people continue to be heard in response to this administration, to this Republican Party, and uh, frankly, not a moment too soon. The Florida race on Tuesday night had uh, taken on uh, national prominence in part due to a string of high-profile endorsements, including former Vice President Joe Biden, who endorsed good, former Maryland Governor Martin O'Malley, headlined a fundraiser for her recently. Uh, and this past weekend, uh, former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski rallied support on behalf of Buchanan uh, alongside uh, former uh, Trump's former deputy campaign manager David Bossie. But uh, at this event, voters uh, reportedly broke out into a lock her up chant since that's what they do now. Apparently, I don't know if that was uh, the old uh, lock up Hillary Clinton or if they were talking about locking up Margaret Good, the Democratic candidate who actually won. But apparently that's what the Republican Party has devolved into. We can't get rid of guns, but let's start locking up people willy-nilly for no goddamn crime in the world. Let's just, you know, that's the way that Republicans now win elections, or at least now try to win elections. So, uh, you know, uh, keep going, Democrats, I guess, is all I can say uh, if uh, the Republicans are going to refuse to take any other action other than not helping their own people and, yes, harming their own people, trying to cut wildly popular social safety net programs, giving billions of dollars, uh, hundreds of billions of dollars to their wealthiest donors uh, and telling the American people to go to hell. And again, it is all because of money in politics. Get money out of politics. These problems go away. But Republicans very much do not want to get money out of politics. If you have any question about that, uh, Lisa, uh, I'm sorry, Lissa, I'll get her name right, Lissa Lucas, traveled uh, 100 miles from her home in Cairo, West Virginia. I don't know. You may have heard this uh, story already, uh, but it underscores just how hard Republicans will work, not just at the congressional level, but at the uh, state and local level to ensure that uh, money from uh, big corporations, dark money from people who we don't even know who they are, stays in our body politic, keeps our our politics broken. Lissa Lucas uh, traveled 100, 100 miles from her home in Cairo, West Virginia, earlier uh, uh, in the week uh, to, to the state capital of uh, West Virginia in Charleston. On uh, This was actually late, uh, last Friday. To testify against an oil and gas industry-sponsored bill, HB 4268, that would allow companies to... Uh, drill on the land of uh, of homeowners without their permission, without their consent. 
So uh, she wanted to speak against this bill, and uh, she drove 100 miles. She began to testify to the House Judiciary Committee uh, to a man who was uh, running it, a man by the name of uh, Delegate Jason Harshbarger of the uh, Republican of the uh, 7th House District in West Virginia. Uh, now, Lisa Lucas is a name that Harshberger should know. I will explain why in a minute. But in any event, um, she began to, uh, to testify to this House Judiciary Committee during the public comment period. But a few minutes in, her microphone was turned off and Lucas was eventually dragged out of the room. She is from uh, Ritchie County, which has been overrun by the fracking industry, and uh, she is running this year for the state's House of Delegates. In fact, uh, she is running against Delegate Jason Harshbarger of the uh, 7th District, uh, who uh, apparently does not know her name. She says she tried to give her own remarks at the public hearing on HB 4268 in defense of our constitutional property rights. She says she got dragged out of the House chambers. Why, she said, because I was listing out who's been donating to delegates on the Judiciary Committee. Lucas took to the podium. She began by pointing out that the people who are going to be speaking in favor of this bill are all going to be paid by the industry, and the people who are going to be voting on this bill are all also often paid by the industry. Here is, uh, here's what happened when she took to the floor. Ignore this uh, crazy sort of elevator music at the top uh, that seems to be uh, a leftover from the, the public channel that was airing this. Uh, this crazy music sort of stops after a few seconds. But here's what it sounded like when Lissa Lucas tried to take her, I think she gets a, a minute and 45 seconds to offer public comment on, uh, on this bill. Lisa Lucas, followed by Scott Windham. It's Lisa Lucas. Uh, and first, I'd just like to say that um, no jobs will be created by this. If, if we could get a guarantee of jobs, that would be great. Um, I'd also like to point out that the people who are going to be speaking in favor of this bill are all going to be paid by the industry, and the people who are going to be voting on this bill are also often paid by the industry. For example, and I have to keep it short simply because the public only gets a minute 45 while lobbyists can throw a gala at the Marriott with whiskey and wine and talk for hours to the delegates. So to keep it short, uh, on the Judiciary Committee, Charlotte Lane, about $10,000 from gas and oil interest, including AEP, Marathon, First Energy, Dominion, EQT, and I could go on. Next, let's talk about John Schott from Mercer. First Energy, $2,000, Appalachian Power, $2,000, Steptoe & Johnson, that's a gas and oil law firm, $2,000, Console Energy, 1000 EQT, 1000 and I could go on. Now let's talk about Jason Harshbarger. Ms. Lucas, uh, we ask no personal comments be made. If you want to talk about this, this is not personal comments. It is These a personal comment, and I'm going to call you out of order if you're talking about individuals on the committee. So, uh, if you would just address the bill. If not, I'll ask you to please step down. Jason Harshbarger took uh, $3,500, about 40% his money comes. And they're turning off her mic. And a couple of security folks. Next, Garrett Energy. 
next speaker would be Julie Archer. And she was dragged off the floor. That voice you heard was once again Jason Harshbarger, delegate Jason Harshbarger from West Virginia, who uh, who's, when his name was mentioned, that was when uh, he said, uh, this is, uh, you, you can't make personal comments. Now, mind you, she was not making personal comments. She was listing off how much money these people had. This is public record stuff that how much uh, these uh, these these representatives had received from the fracking industry. Who they were just about to uh, grant a favor with on this bill in the West Virginia House of Delegates. Her reference there to uh, wine and whiskey that the uh, that the lobbyists get to spend as much time as they want making their case to these lawmakers. Uh, That was a a reference to the whiskey, wine and policy winter legislative reception at the Charleston Marriott Hotel on February 7. That was sponsored by the Shale Energy Alliance. Yes, fracking incorporated. They held this uh, they held this event where I suspect they had much more time than uh, a minute, 45 seconds to give their opinions on this bill uh, where they were not risking being dragged out of the chamber because they were uh, sharing public information in a public hearing about uh, payments, payoffs made to these uh, delegates uh, before uh, from from the stakeholders here. The fracking industry just before the delegates were about to vote on uh, on, on this bill for uh, that would benefit the fracking industry. And do you say that Lissa is herself now running for that office? She is. Uh, she's running for the House of Delegates uh, against uh, Jason Harshbarger. Okay. Apparently, she go had, Lissa. Yeah, Ryan Grimm at the Intercept reports that she had raised uh, for her campaign about four thousand dollars before this story broke and these, this video went viral. She's now uh, pulled in. Actually, this was as of last night. Ryan Grimm said she's pulled in. $50,360. Well, I wonder how much video. Uh, how much uh, her opponent is getting from the fracking industry well, yeah. and its employees now. Yep. Uh, the, the, you can uh, check how much. I don't have the link in front of me, but if you look up Lissa Lucas, uh, you can find out actually as we go to air here, she's now brought in more than $60,000 uh, from uh, from supporters, from voters, as opposed to the fracking industry, because I suspect she won't be getting anything like the 3500 uh, and much, much more that uh, Jason Harshbarger uh, was getting from the uh, from the industry. So, um, you know, that's the effort. That's the that's how hard they will go to keep you, the voter, from noticing how much money they make from these from their donors, whether it's the NRA, whether it's big oil, whether it's big fracking. They don't want you to know about it. And yes, it affects every single bill that they that they block, that they pass. It's not just Congress. It's state houses across the country get money out of politics. And uh, most of our problems probably go away overnight.
They don't want you to get money out of politics, however, as we see in Tempe, Arizona, where voters will uh, will get are getting ballots in the mail uh, next week uh, on on exactly this on keeping money, dark money out of politics in Tempe, Arizona. But a bill in the Arizona state legislature could preempt. The, uh, the the city measure in Tempe, Arizona, that voters are about to about to vote on. It's a proposal to curb dark money. The Tempe City Council unanimously agreed to send a ballot measure to voters that would add transparency to local elections. It would require that groups making independent expenditures over one thousand dollars in city elections disclose details on the organization and its donor. So they can take the money, but they have to disclose the details. Uh, about who, where that money came from, uh, who's donating to that organization. That was what voters. That is what voters are voting on in Tempe, Arizona. But in the state house, they're trying to block this. Tempe Councilwoman uh, Lauren Kuby says the measure is sh- quote shining a light on dark money. Uh, a term that refers to the political spending by advocacy groups, uh, often 501c4 nonprofit groups that aren't required to and 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 don't disclose their donors. Uh, so that's what they're trying to do in Tempe. But the uh, state rep Vince Leach, Republican, good name, Vince Leach, Republican from Tucson, uh, proposed statewide legislation that would make Tempe's enforcement of their measure, if it passes, impossible. House Bill 2153 would bar cities, counties, and the state from requiring nonprofits to disclose their donors. The government doesn't need to be there, Leach said during a during a, a, a meeting of the Federalism, Property Rights, and Public Policy Committee at the Arizona State House. The committee ended up voting six to three to move that bill forward to make it unlawful to require. Uh, transparency to require that uh, these donors are actually disclosed to the public. They voted six to three to move that bill forward, splitting along party lines between Republicans and Democrats with the Democrats opposed to that bill. Timothy Sandifer, vice president for litigation at the Goldwater Institute, the right wing Goldwater Institute, said the Tempe proposal is a way to, quote, silence dissent. Really? To silence dissent, the conservative Goldwater Institute uh, supports this uh, state house measure, along with the Greater Phoenix Chamber of Commerce, the East Valley Chamber of Commerce. They support the state legislation to protect donors from disclosure, as the Arizona Republic reports it. The ability for individuals to anonymously donate, anonymously donate to nonprofits, is akin to the secret ballot. And it keeps them from being reprimanded for their political views, Sandifer said, who heads the Goldwater Institute. Except when it comes to the secret ballot, I get one and you get one. And that's it. When it comes to dark money, I may have one dollar to give to every, you know, for every hundreds of thousands of dollars that Walmart or big oil or big fracking or because this is Arizona that big developers plan to give or that the NRA will give or that the Goldwater Institute or the Greater Phoenix Chamber of Commerce or the East Valley Chamber of Commerce that they will give. They can all give millions if they like to some phony 501c4 set up to hide their campaign contributions so the voters don't know where where the money comes from. 
I guess I could do that, too. If I had the same kind of hundreds of thousands of dollars that these uh, corporations have that they would like to secretly give to a campaign so that nobody knows they're giving it, although the candidates, I suspect, know, but the public, it makes it a hell of a lot harder for them to know. There is no control on the amount of money that can be given to those groups, unlike with a secret ballot where I only get one of them. That's what the Goldwater Institute is comparing this to. Groups uh, such as the Arizona Advocacy Network, Planned Parenthood of Arizona, the Grand Canyon chapter of the Sierra Club all oppose the House bill. Morgan Dick with the Arizona Advocacy Network quoted late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, who said, quote, I do not look forward to a society which campaigns anonymously. Well, uh, he doesn't have to because uh, Antonin Scalia is now long gone. But uh, thanks to what his court did, we all have to look forward to a society where campaigns are completely anonymous. Uh, and Akubi, uh, from back from Tempe, an advocate for the Tempe ballot measure, said that HB 2153 is an attack on charter cities. Kubi said the bill, if passed, would get challenged because, quote, it's a threat to charter cities. But aside from uh, the obvious money issue, it's just another example that when Republicans tell you that small government, be it state government or local government, that they know their own people and their own concerns the best, that they are lying. They only say that because they want to, you know, they only want smaller government to do uh, things that a larger government, a state or a federal government, don't want them to do. That's the only time they like small government. That's the only time that small government knows their people best. When the small government who knows their people best want to do something that the larger government doesn't want to do, they're going to stop them, even if it means passing legislation in order to do it, as the state of Arizona is now trying to do to stop the small local government of Tempe the Tempe uh, City Council, uh, who would like to run their own city elections the way they would like to run them to stop them from doing it. So that's what's going on in Arizona. That's how hard Republicans are working to make sure that dark donor money stays in our political system so we don't fix our problems. On Tuesday night, Arizona House Republicans uh, moved forward with that bill uh, on the uh, after a full House vote to bar cities and towns from ensuring transparency of money in local elections. While residents in the city of Tempe vote on a measure to increase transparency of money in city elections. And if that passes, it will become null and void if it passes the state measure passes uh, at the state house. That measure, HB 2153, was in fact adopted in the Arizona House late last night by a final tally of 33 to 25. It now advances to the state Senate. And uh, meanwhile, early voting in Tempe begins today. All right, we got to take a quick break. But speaking of undisclosed GOP money, let's take a quick break here. We'll return with the latest, frankly, mind-boggling news in the Stormy Daniels matter. That porn star said by the Wall Street Journal to have been paid $130,000 in hush money to keep quiet about her affair with Donald Trump just weeks before the 2016 election. Trump's lawyer has now admitted the payment was made. But whose money was it? Well, despite the headlines you may have seen over the past 24 hours, we still don't know 
whose money that actually was. I'll explain after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Don't know why There's no sun up in the sky Stormy weather Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com All right, well, speaking of undisclosed GOP money, uh, Alan Abramowitz, political scientist, uh, tweeted, Imagine if shortly before the 2008 election, Barack Obama's lawyer had paid off a porn star rumored to have had sex with him. Imagine the impact this would have had on Obama or any other president, Abramowitz notices. Yeah, you think? Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine a situation, whether it's Barack Obama or really even any other Republican president, although maybe I'm lacking in imagination today, but I can't imagine any situation where this would not be round-the-clock, 24-7 news that would go on for months, maybe even years, before leading to a, some sort of an impeachment or a resignation. But, you know, it's Donald Trump. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he paid off uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to a porn star to shut her up just before the election. Oh, well, no big, no big thing. At least not in comparison to everything else, apparently. Well, we now have some more information on that, although I would argue this is somewhat misleading. The New York Times uh, on Tuesday night, uh, under the headline, Trump's longtime lawyer says he paid Stormy Daniels out of his own pocket. Here's the story. Michael Cohen, President Trump's longtime personal lawyer, said on Tuesday that he paid $130,000 out of his own pocket to a pornographic film actress who had once claimed to have had an affair with Mr. Donald Trump. In the uh, in the most detailed explanation of the 2016 payment made to the actress Stephanie Clifford, who goes by the name Stormy Daniels, Cohen, who worked as counsel to the Trump organization for more than a decade, said that he was not reimbursed for the payment. Quote, neither the Trump organization nor the Trump campaign was a party to the transaction with Ms. Clifford and neither reimbursed me for the payment, either directly or indirectly. The payment to Ms. Clifford was lawful and was not a campaign contribution or a campaign expenditure by anyone. He declined to answer several follow up questions, including whether Mr. Trump had been aware that he had made the payment, why he made the payment, or whether he had made similar payments to other people over the years. Cohn's statement about what he called a, quote, private transaction was the first time that he has acknowledged a role in the payment, which was first reported in January by the Wall Street Journal, by the Rupert Murdoch-owned Wall Street Journal. Cohn said that he had given a similar statement to the Federal Election Commission in response to a complaint filed by the government watchdog group Common Cause, which filed a complaint saying the, that the payment 
which was made through a limited liability company that that uh, Michael Cohn set up specifically, it seems, to make this payment to the porn star. That complaint from Common Cause uh, said that this was an in-kind contribution to the Trump campaign and therefore it should have been reported. Cohen said the complaint alleges that I somehow, quote, I somehow violated campaign finance laws by facilitating an excess in-kind contribution. The allegations in the complaint are factually unsupported and without legal merit. And my counsel has submitted a response to the FEC. He said he would not make any additional comments about any of this, about the commission complaint or regarding Miss Clifford Stormy Daniels. Uh, Now, Common Cause, um, uh, an attorney from Common Cause said, uh, reiterated once again after this news broke, that if made for the purpose of influencing the election, as this appears to be, it's an excessive in-kind contribution and should have been reported. We had uh, Paul S. Ryan, the good Paul Ryan, as we call him, uh, Common Cause Vice President for Litigation and Policy on this program shortly after they filed their complaint with the FEC. He explained uh, at least uh, some of what the uh, Trump campaign, Trump organization, Michael Cohen, we don't know yet, uh, that they might be uh, might have to contend with uh, in this uh, what sure seems no matter who it came from, sure seems to have been an in-kind contribution to help Donald Trump just weeks before the 2016 election. Here's here's a little bit of uh, Paul Ryan the good Paul Ryan explaining uh, what the campaign is up against. So there's a couple of pieces of campaign finance law at play here. The first seems to me to be a, a very obvious and clear violation of federal campaign finance law, and that is the failure by the Trump campaign committee to report Team Trump's $130,000 payment of hush money to Stormy Daniels as an expenditure. Uh, federal campaign finance law defines the term expenditure as it applies to political committees like Trump's campaign committee as any payment for the purpose of influencing an election. You know, here we have a, an agent of Donald Trump, Michael Cohen, his mm-hmm. personal lawyer, making a $130,000 payment to hush up Stormy Daniels about three weeks before the general election. It seems pretty clear to me that that's an expenditure under the definition of that term in the campaign finance law. Consequently, the Trump campaign committee was required to do two things. It was required to report that payment as an expenditure. It was also required to report the source of the funds as a contribution coming into the committee. It did neither. So in our view, it pretty clearly establishes a violation of the campaign finance law reporting requirements. He went on to say that uh, unless the money came out of Donald Trump's own pocket, his own personal fund, uh, if that was the case, then there would be no second violation. But the uh, second violation, he says, is that this transaction uh, ha- has to do with the contribution, where that money came from. Donald Trump's own money, he is welcome to do that. But uh, if it came from someone else, like Michael Cohen or the Trump Organization, then they have a problem. That is, he says, an illegal corporate ca- uh, contribution to the campaign that was not reported. Uh, so that's what he explained to us back then. Uh, and that was before Donald uh, Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's personal lawyer, has now come out and said, oh, I paid it. I gave her one hundred thirty thousand dollars. Why? He doesn't say. 
I guess he just felt like giving this porn star $130,000, setting up a corporation to do it, and then giving her the money. Yeah, right. Uh, I asked uh, Ryan when we had him on what would happen if, if in fact, uh, Team Trump tried to claim that this payment had nothing at all to do with the campaign. It was just a payment because they like Stormy Daniels. I suspected they would try to do that, as they now have. Uh, and he, he said they'll, they'll try to make that argument, but uh, because of the timing here, uh, this came just uh, just weeks, three weeks before the general election. It also came after right after the Access Hollywood tape came to light. He said, we're talking about a time at which the Trump campaign was reeling from a sexual misconduct-related scandal, a second factual element here that weighs very much in his uh, in favor of finding this to be an illegal expenditure is that Stormy Daniels was reportedly in conversations with a bunch of media outlets at the time about telling her story. So if this ever goes to trial or even uh, a hearing before the FEC, they're going to be hard pressed to explain uh, to, to say, oh, this just had nothing to do, nothing at all to do with the campaign. Good luck with that. Uh, a statement from uh, Paul Ryan at Common Cause uh, today uh, says that as Trump's personal attorney, Cohen was an agent of then-candidate Trump. The timing and circumstances of the $130,000 payment to Daniels make it appear that the hush money was paid in an effort to influence the election, and that would be an in-kind and unlawful in-kind contribution at the very least, he says this latest admission by Cohen and the circumstances behind it require a full investigation by the FEC and the Department of Justice, as they also requested last month. At least Cohen has now admitted to being the John Doe named in our complaint who paid off Daniels, apparently to buy her silence. Uh, at a time when she was reportedly negotiating with major media outlets to discuss the potentially damaging details of a relationship she carried on with Trump. So um, they're still going to continue pressing that as well they should. And in the meantime, an attorney over at uh, the Volok Conspiracy, uh, Reason.com's legal blog, a man by the name of Oren Kerr, said that um, the that uh, with Cohn uh, in his statement admitting to the bulk of the story, quote, in a private transaction in 2016, I used my own personal funds to facilitate a payment of one hundred and thirty thousand dollars to Daniels. And that quote, neither the Trump organization nor the Trump campaign was was party to the transaction and neither reimbursed me for the payment, either directly or indirectly. That's apparently his official statement on this. Well, the press has been reporting that this means that Michael Cohen paid Daniels out of his own pocket. Oren Kerr is not so sure. He says Cohen actually says he paid the $130,000 out of his own pocket, but if Cohen's statement is the only statement he made which, as far as I can tell, is the case. He never actually says that. All Cohen says is that he used his personal funds to facilitate a payment of $130,000. In other words, he goes on to explain, if he used his own money, a couple hundred bucks, to set up uh, this, uh, this LLC that was used to make this payment, and then someone sent him a check for $130,000, and he gave it to, to Daniels, well, he used his own money to facilitate that payment even though that $130,000 didn't actually come from him. Now, remember, Michael Cohen is an especially slimy character. 
And that's saying quite a bit, uh, talking about uh, someone from the Trump organization. He is especially good at not telling the truth. And uh, in this case, uh, be uh, I've already uh, asked uh, Common Cause for comment on, on this. Haven't yet heard back from them, but um, he doesn't seem to actually say that was his money, that $100,000 that was actually given to Stormy Daniels. That would be shocking if it was. It would be stunning if it was. And as Common Cause points out, it would still be unlawful. So... More on that story ahead, I suspect, in the days ahead. At least I hope there will be, uh, because there damn well should be, because there's got to be some accountability for this lawless Trump administration somehow, somewhere. At this point, who knows where it's going to come from, but I believe it's going to come. All right, a quick break, and we are back with, yes, the Green News report that we... Didn't have time to do yesterday. We're going to do it today, right? Yep. One way or another. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance. Now, more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Yes, we will stop the world and melt for you. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Although we couldn't stop the world yesterday when we ran late... And couldn't get to it, but now we are going to. Even though we're still running late, let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. This morning I submitted legislative principles to Congress that will spur the biggest and boldest infrastructure investment in American history. Trump's infrastructure proposal scam shifts costs onto states and cities and guts clean water and clean air regulations. Puerto Rico suffers a new blackout. Sea level rise is accelerating. Plus, Tesla and South Australia team up to build the world's largest virtual power plant. Virtual power plant? Virtual power plant. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Did you watch this speech? He mentioned all the floods, you know, the, the wildfires, the storms we've had. Never once linked them to climate change. Yes, probably the work of the deep state, wouldn't you imagine? <laughs> I knew it! This is your Green News Report. Okay, Dizzy Doyen, the scams never seem to end with this Trump administration. (laughs) No, they don't. On Monday, the Trump administration finally released what the administration and the media are misleadingly calling a $1.5 trillion proposal to repair the nation's crumbling infrastructure. But in reality, it is just a paltry $200 billion that will be cut from other crucial programs. And spent over 10 years. Right. And Trump's proposal proposal would only put up 
10 to 20 percent of the cost of those projects, requiring cash-strapped state and local governments to come up with the rest by raising taxes, selling off public assets, or privatizing projects like roads and water systems. Democrats slammed the proposal as another giveaway to private companies. At a recent mayor's conference, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti criticized a leaked version of the proposal. Giving us a nickel or a dime for every 95 cents, every 90 cents we put in, doesn't allow you to count our dollars as your infrastructure package. And taking money away from things like community development block grants, existing tiger grants, um, new starts, which helps us build a middle class, doesn't count either. Trump's infrastructure proposal also severely cuts back environmental impact reviews and local community input. Trump's plan doesn't even mention hardening infrastructure against extreme weather disasters. Trump and the Republicans apparently think you're too stupid to remember that they just gave a $1.5 trillion tax cut to corporations and the rich that could have paid for his $1.5 trillion infrastructure scam. Mm, That's because of the tax and spend Democrats. Apparently, the tax cut and borrow Republicans. As if to underscore the long-term consequences of not investing in infrastructure, Puerto Rico officials say a major widespread blackout on Sunday was caused by an explosion and fire at an electrical substation. Electricity has been restored to most customers, officials say, but it was yet another setback in the island's recovery five months after Hurricane Maria destroyed their decrepit infrastructure causing the longest blackout in U.S. history. Any idea what led to that explosion and fire? That is still under investigation. More than half a million Puerto Ricans are still without electricity and tens of thousands are still without clean water. Also impacting U.S. coastal infrastructure, the rate of sea level rise has accelerated. It's tripled over the past 25 years and will continue to accelerate in coming decades, thanks to the melting of Antarctica and Greenland. Thanks, melting Antarctica and Greenland. That's according to NASA. The study has a conservative estimate projecting that sea level rise will surge more than two feet by 2100. In the meantime, creating bigger storm surges and saltwater intrusion of fresh water supplies in coastal cities. Great. In other news, remember that massive Iranian oil tanker that exploded and sank last month in the South China Sea? I do. The New York Times reports that toxic petroleum condensate may have begun to contaminate some of the most important fishing grounds off the coasts of China and Japan. Tests show that fish caught within five nautical miles of the sunken ship contained traces of petroleum hydrocarbons. Mm. And this is a weird spill because it's not like the usual thick, crude oil spills, this is kind of invisible. Right, and it's impossible to clean up. Invisible except for the damage that it's causing, I guess. Finally, some good news. In South Australia, Tesla's utility-sized battery storage farm that was built in less than 90 days on a bet is now proving to be so reliable and so cheap during Australia's current record-breaking hot summer that the province is now teaming up with Tesla to build what Tesla calls the world's largest virtual power plant. Over the next four years, solar panels and Tesla Powerwall batteries will be installed on 50,000 homes, networked to act as a single solar power plant. It's projected to cut residents' utility bills by 30 percent because, as Tesla notes, unlike the rising costs of natural gas-powered plants, sunlight is free. Mm. Well, nice to see the infrastructure being improved 
in other countries, if not ours. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. I come from a Thank you very much, Desiree. Uh, you know, uh, speaking of Australia, yeah. they, they had a, uh, a, a mass shooting some years ago. Yeah. They passed a law to ban uh, these uh, sorts of uh, assault rifles, and they haven't had a mass shooting since. Yep. And yet here we are day after day after day covering these mass shootings here in this country where our Congress, members of Congress, our public officials will not do one damn thing about it. And it happens day after day after day, uh, you know, and that's why we, we, we can't make laws. That's why we can't do anything about it, because uh, because of the donors. That's why we can't do anything. That's why we have to have the Green News Report in the first place, frankly. Yeah. Because big oil, big coal, big fracking. Won't let us do anything about climate change or about air pollution or about water pollution. And big, uh, big guns, big murder otherwise known as the NRA, uh, won't let Republicans do anything about our gun epidemic in any event. Uh, that's by way of restating our, our top story uh, today. Uh, it's, it's only gotten worse since we've gone on the air. Officials now say there have been 17 fatalities in the South Florida high school shooting that uh, took place on, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, the uh, suspect is an 18-year-old former student who is now said to be in custody. I suspect we'll have more thoughts on this on our next thrilling broadcast. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. We thank those of you who stopped by bradblog.com donate to help support our efforts here with a uh, subscription of any amount you like. You can listen for free, but we uh, greatly need your support because for some reason, big oil, big coal, big fracking, big murder, they don't seem to uh, send us a lot of money in donations. So thanks to those who stop by bradblog.com donate. We rely on you and only you to do what we do every day over your public airwaves. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Bradblog. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.